a day is okay, but if they book it out two days, a week, three days, something like that, you know, the chances of me even getting the opportunity to go out there goes in half. They usually cancel. Or if I do go out there, there's, you know, there's all kinds of objections that come up that weren't initially there when the technician was there on the site. So. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your host, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you again and looking forward to a great episode today as we bring back a fan favorite. That's right. Mr. Brent Buckley is going to be sitting in your passenger seat today, and we're going to have a great conversation about none other than Brian's favorite topic, sales. That's right. And we're going to get hard, hot, and heavy on how to set a proper lead and what to do when you're in the home to develop that lead into a full-fledged birth of a beautiful sales child. Yeah, yeah where's that applause button? Just over and over, <laughs> and over again. So looking forward to that conversation. But of course, as we always do, before we get to the content of the show, Brian and I are going to go back and forth a little bit ourselves. So we're going to start with our quote. Brian? Continuous effort, not strength or intelligence, is the key to unlocking our potential. I should have said that in a British accent because... None other than Winston Churchill. Ah, I was going to go with Sean Connery, but okay. No. <laughs> it was on uh, The Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Your, your best. Winners <laughs> always whine about their best. <laughs> Losers, sorry. Okay. Anyways. Losers, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, uh, it's important, man. You know, it, the, the old adage about like, hey, just get up there and swing the bat as opposed to, you know, sitting on the bench, right? Bro, for real. It's like, it, in, and I'm saying not strength, not intelligence, not even charisma, like $14.7 million in revenue in one year, Brent what? Buckley. Are you talking Over about 90, Brent, Brent Buckley's company? Brent Buckley's truck. Over and, $90 million was in it a clown career truck? sales. Like Over seven, $90 million <laughs> in career sales. Uh, ridiculous brent has done and let me tell you something role played like a mother trucker with brent buckley back in the day brent was not the best role player i i would argue whether brent had the highest iq in the room he's not like a super elon musk super genius uh no no discernible things about brent would put him at multiples above the sales numbers of everyone. A lot of people in that room would become superstars, but nobody none of us scratched the surface on what Brent did. And the only discernible difference was his perseverance. This dude did not take breaks. He got better every single day from the time I met him in 2004. I think he started at the company like two months after I did to this morning. That dude has taken zero breaks at getting better and learning and pushing himself 
and reaching for that next goal, that perseverance, or as Winston Churchill just called it, continuous effort is what separates champions from eh, average, little above average, normal people. Yeah, you're not wrong there, Brian. And it's it's the level of service that he brings when he is speaking to a client and the level of service that he trusts in his company and his install team and the fulfillment of what he is saying to occur. That's amazing. And and one of the things that, you know, in today's world is almost becoming a non-negotiable is 24-7 service or at least 24-7 phones. And and I want to dwell on that for a minute. 24-7 it, it kind of brings to mind sometimes even a lack of, of service or a lack of fulfillment. Um, and as you think about like, you know, even the, the animal kingdom and how there's, there's some predators out there, like, I don't know, like a lion or something like that, where we're 24 seven and lack of service and fulfillment is, is something that just kind of, I don't know. It's like a, it's a distant memory or dream that I'm not quite sure I can put together, but 24-7 and lions and, and, and missing the mark, uh, it, it seems pertinent to today's conversation. Um, I'm, I'm surprised you were even watching, Nate, because the Eagles were out of the playoffs in the <sighs> half, first half of the first <laughs> quarter of the playoffs. <laughs> I know, but I, here's the difference, Brian. I knew they sucked going into that game. I, I thought team, you guys were like 10 and one this season. Your team Didn't was up by multiple touchdowns, <laughs> literal multiple touchdowns. And for, for reasons that, that confuse mankind from the greatest philosopher to the lowliest sports fan, you continue to just press your luck. Instead Perseverance, of kicking baby. Kicking the stupid ball between think, the uprights. I think Winston Churchill just told you, my man. It's perseverance. Yeah. Don't use that quote with the Lions because they <laughs> broke that quote. <laughs> Didn't work. All right. All right. Come on, bro. Like, just get with it. Let's shake it off, buddy. All right? Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got people to serve. They gave us their time. They don't want to hear you whining about uh, football. All right? I'm not whining. I, I was making I was making a uh, an illustrative analogy and trying to mm. tie in together 24-7 service. and How um, my Wolverines persevered this year to become the national champion. I said um, relevant events, Brian. Relevant oh, okay. events. All right. Okay. All right. Hold on. Hold on. I got a, I got a short story for us. There was a young boy, 14 years old. His father lost his job and his family hit rough times. They moved into a Volkswagen van on a relative's lawn. And the young aspiring comedian who was so dedicated to his craft began mailing his resume to the Carol Burnett show. At age 10, he had to take an eight hour per day factory job. To help feed the family. That was after school. At age 15, he tried to perform his comedy routine on stage for the first time in a suit that his mom made him. Totally bombed, but he was undeterred. The next year at 16, he quit school to focus on this failed comedy act full time. Shortly after that, he moved to L.A., where he would park on Mulholland Drive every night and visualize his success. One of those nights, he actually wrote himself a check for $10 million, and on that check, it said, for acting services rendered, which he dated for Thanksgiving 1995. 
just before that date, he hit his payday with the movie Dumb and Dumber. He put the deteriorated check that he wrote himself that he always kept in his wallet from that time to the time he actually made $10 million in his father's casket. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) with now a net worth of $180 million, actor and comedian Jim Carrey is the model of perseverance. Wow. Can we get him on the show? That's amazing. Yeah, let's work on that. It's getting a little little crazy with some of the speeches, but yeah, I'm game. Let's have our people talk to his people. We'll get that set up. Uh, Nate, hold on. Let's pause it. You got people? <laughs> Nobody gave I, me any people, bro. I thought you had people. Okay. Oh, no, no. no it wasn't. No. Uh, maybe Ethan a, has Ethan has people. What a powerful story, though. <clears throat> I mean, I, I've never heard that. And certainly uh, an emotional, you know, bring back around or, or a callback, uh, in, in, which is kind of ironic for comedy, but but really cool in, in how what he had projected himself to do and then worked so hard to accomplish actually came fulfilled. Yeah, I can't imagine what he gets for a movie now, although he's not doing a whole lot, but I'm guessing he blew past that $10 million. Well, after the success of Dumb and Dumber. I mean, The Mask. Uh, why am liar, I liar. Of, uh, uh, liar, liar. I'm, I'm, oh, Ace Ventura, for crying out loud. Can you imagine yeah. what he got for Ace Ventura, too? Right. But yeah, $180 million net worth. And it, it sounds like from what he's making a movie, that's an easy net worth to attain. But if you start looking up your favorite actors you're going to be shocked at how low their net worths are because they, they just find ways to burn this money. Um, 180 million net worth for an actor is pretty staggering. So congrats to him, man. You talk about perseverance right there. Well, I'll tell fail, you, we're, fail, fail. We're, uh, we're also going to have somebody on who has failed, failed, failed many times, but has kept on going. And his net worth seems to also be increasing these days. And we look forward to having Brent in your passenger seat here in just a moment. But it is now time for that special time of the week, Brian, where we highlight one of our special listeners. Who do we have on the docket today? Great podcast. Five star. I love listening to these podcasts. Even if you take just a little bit or even one thing per podcast, it will improve your business and or your life. Diablo's Revenge. Wow. All right. You know what? Like seven (laughs) years earlier, he was playing like that Diablo computer game. And he's just like, well, this will be the only review I ever write. So (laughs) (laughs) it made his name. And like we say just about every week, whatever name you decide to make for this review, that's you for life. (laughs) So make sure you put Waste No Day in it. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Brian, uh, appreciate that. And make sure you put Waste No Day in your day today and uh, share it with some other friends out there too, who you think would enjoy this episode or any of the ones that we've put out in the past. And uh, let us know who you're doing that with or tag them on Facebook or share in the comments. And of course, leave a review if you haven't done so yet. For now though, it is time to put Mr. Brent Buckley in your passenger seat. Our guest today is Brent Buckley. He is a second-generation HVAC technician who got his start at one-hour heating and air conditioning in Colorado. Brent has been in the industry for 22 years, started as an apprentice, worked his way to installer, then selling technician, then comfort advisor, and now business owner. He has sold over $90 million personally 
in residential equipment sales in his career and is an industry sales leader. I think that goes without saying. Brent and his beautiful wife, Lindsay, have four children and enjoy supporting and watching them play sports like football, volleyball, baseball, and softball. And they like to spend their free time at the lake house in Minnesota, where they boat, fish, and catch up with family. Welcome back to the show, Brent. Thanks, guys, for having me back. Oh, please. The pleasure is all on this side of the iPad, my man. The pleasure is all in the passenger or in the driver's seat of this truck that you're in the passenger seat of your um, first, second, and third guest we've ever had on the show that sold over $14 million in revenue in one year. And because you were on three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, we are looking forward to hearing more about that. It's been a minute since you've been on the show here, Brent. And so uh, we like to start off our podcast with some introductory questions just about like who you are and what you've been up to. Uh, so for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with who you are, maybe you could give us a little bit of a background about your story. And then for those of our listeners who have heard you on the podcast before, but aren't quite as uh, up to date with your current affairs, kind of update us as to where you are right now. Yeah, um, my name is Brent Buckley. I've been in the industry about 21 years, um, spent majority of that time um, as a selling technician, um, then a comfort advisor, then business owner. And then we we're fortunate enough to have a, uh, an exit from last company. Yeah. A positive exit as it were. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people get exited from companies, especially in 2023, but yours went a little bit differently, right? <laughs> yeah. It was an eight figure exit. So <laughs> nice buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll take that. Um, so I mean, kind of, kind of going back to even how you got into the industry, man, like what, what was, uh, the, the nickel tour on your story in terms of why you got into HVAC? Well, I got into it because my dad was in the industry. So like a lot of the people probably listen to this podcast, um, their family has been in HVAC or plumbing or electrical, and um, they've kind of followed in their, you know, their parents' footsteps or grandparents or whatever it might be. So um, it wasn't something I like really was excited about doing, but at the same time, it was a, a great opportunity for me to get into an industry and learn a trade that, um, that I, you know, previously might not have had that same opportunity. So right out of high school, I, uh, was able to start as an install helper, um, back in 2002, um, at 18 years old. And, um, so that's, you know, in generalized speaking, I mean, that's kind of how I got started in the industry was through family. Yeah, and, and that's definitely a typical story of many of our listeners, as you mentioned. Uh, but what's not typical is is where you've ended up here, not only as you know a partner in Service Champions and their organization, but also with, as you mentioned, an eight-figure exit. And so I want to kind of like start us off by taking us back a little bit, if you will. You know, were you the type of guy that like you were just born with sales acumen and like, you know, you came out of the box just selling and selling and selling and all these things, were you adverse to it? And there was like a change moment in your life that, you know, turned you about or how did you become the monster of sales that you are today? Well, I think at first, um, I wasn't, I was, you know, is probably pretty choppy and, um, at best and bumbling my way through, you know, a presentation. But 
over time, I, I stuck with it and stayed disciplined and consistent um, with keep trying over and over and over again and the new days and, you know, every day is a new day. So um, I would, you know, and Brian can contest this, but, you know, back when me and him worked together back in what, 2004, five, six. Yep. Yes. Um, keep going. Seven, eight, nine, <laughs> ten. <laughs> we, uh, we really worked pretty hard to, um, you know, make the best presentation that we could do and communicate that to the customers. And, and, you know, I know the old sayings practice makes perfect, but it is so true because if you can stay consistent and always work on your perfecting your craft, you know, you can, you can be great at really anything. You don't even have to have that much talent. You know, if you work hard and stay consistent, you can, you can really develop a lot out of yourself. Is that where you would place yourself, Brent? Are, are you a man without talent who just practiced enough times? No, I think there is a bit of talent there as far as communication, body language, um, the way that, you know, I hold myself. So I think there is a certain level of uh, maturity that I've, you know, been able to, and that didn't happen from day one that, you know, that happened over time. Um, but I think that I have an extremely good work ethic. I'm disciplined and I'm very consistent in, in what I do. And I think, um, on a daily basis, you can, you can ask anybody that has worked around me. It's, you know, it's, I hold myself at much high, higher standards. Obviously you must, because it's not easy to produce a million dollars of sales, much less 14 or 15 times that. And that is your record as it stands for right now. And so our focus today is around this concept of the presentation that that sold 15 million or just shy of $15 million in a year. And that's more than, uh, that's more than probably the average HVAC company is doing all combined, much less by one person. And yet somehow you managed to do that. Uh, and before we get any farther, we need to dispel the haters because as soon as somebody hears that there's the immediate, what is this guy doing to rip him off? Like how many old ladies did he beat over the head? Uh, you know, and, and all these, all these, all these other things, I'm, frankly, I'm not even sure there's enough old ladies to get to 15 million if you were doing that, but you know, talk to us about the ethics that were behind that number. You know, what, what, what is your stance on how do you get that number and how do you keep yourselves between the moral buoys? Well, you know, I spent most of my career as a selling technician and um, I was only able to get up to about seven and a half million dollars as a, a selling tech. So when we started uh, Fetch Tech, um, the company that was acquired by Service Champions, um, you know, I started off as a selling tech, but I, I soon realized that I couldn't really scale myself. So what I decided to do is build a team that revolved around me. So I still had touches on the sale, um, but they were out there basically going through. So I was turned really into a comfort advisor and I had, you know, started out with like three to four technicians and it went to like 12 technicians in 2022. And um, so I had all these technicians out in the field generating interest. And then I would go from one call to the next call to the next call, six, seven days a week, <laughs> 12 hours a day. And um, yeah, that 14.7 million was 97% in home. So I, I actually physically went out there and uh, presented um, myself, the company, the options. And um, at the same time, it was a really great training experience for the technician that was there and involved. 
because you know they were just getting them warm and fuzzy and getting them interested in what needed to be done but i was able to kind of take it from there and my presentation i'm you know if you ask anybody that's worked with me or you know has been around me for a period of time they would they would tell you that you know we don't just sell air conditioning units we sell comfort you know so that that involves you know possibly duct work zoning systems iaq equipment so my average ticket wasn't the average company in in town or in the country probably either so you know my average ticket on on retail sales were was twenty five thousand dollars wow. so you know when you couple in duct work and iaq and equipment you know um we had some gigantic sales. I mean, my biggest sell I ever had was like two hundred and forty thousand at one house. Sheesh, that was yeah. the that was the one where the guy <clears throat> called in sick, right? Uh, that was Isn't another one. Another yeah, two hundred thousand yeah, yeah. dollars. No, that <laughs> was yeah, that was the guy that actually didn't want to do it. He called out sick. Didn't yeah, want yeah. to go to the house because it had it's like Lake Lake Las eight, Vegas. Or yeah, eight units on the house. Yeah. <laughs> And then crazy story about that is we're over there doing that job. The neighbor came over and got us and said they were having problems. And we sold another six systems at the other house down the street. Wow. Wow. The most expensive sick day in the history of HVAC. I know. So, of course, you know, they sent out like the green texts, you know, the texts that really – you know, they're just learning the, the, the flip process and all that still. And those guys turned over the lead to me. So, wow. What kind of steak dinner did you take those guys to? <laughs> oh, they went on a vacation, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brent, I mean, you know, another another angle at this is, oh, okay, well, yeah. I mean, anybody can sell $25,000 in Las Vegas. I mean, the average home out there is like, six figures, you know, seven figures, I should say. And, and that, yeah, I mean, anybody can sell seven systems a day if they're just getting constantly alley-ooped by all these, uh, lay down clients. Are you living a cherry life or, or what's that mean to you? Well, I think, you know, that's, that's just limited beliefs that people have. I've traveled to Texas. I've traveled to California. I've done Colorado. Um, I've been able to sell in all those markets it's a little, I'm in Seattle right now and we just sold two systems today, you know, um, off of four calls. So, you know, off of tune-ups, maintenances. So I can do it anywhere. Um, it's just having the team around me too, you know, it takes a lot to do 14.7 million. That's not solely me, but that's having the right call center that can take the calls, the, the right manager that can manage those calls the the right technician on the right call, the right technician flipping the job properly. And so there's a lot of things that go in and you have the fulfillment part of it, you know. So it takes a whole village to do something like that. And I would never take credit for the entire 14.7 million that was sold. Yes, I sold it, but it did take a lot of touches to make that happen, you know, by a great team. That great team was you know, developed over time by me and some of the partners and the people, you know, the, you know, the operations of the business. And so, you know, basically it's, it wasn't an overnight thing to get to 14.7, but I knew the blueprint. I've done it before, not to those numbers, but building a business with Ken Goodrich over the years, you know, Brian could, 
tell you, we started from nothing when I joined there. There was like six technicians total with plumbing and air. <laughs> and yep. uh, we built that company. I think today, yes, air conditioning is uh, pacing to do like 45 million or they did 45 million last year. Wow. So when we oh, started, it, was, it was, it was little M and S air with like you and two other techs and then green Valley plumbing with like me, Mike and Tom. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like six, seven, eight people total. <laughs> 45 yeah. million now, huh? Not too shabby. Not hey, too uh, shabby. Nate just emailed me and said he dares you to go to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Just slide into the one hour there and try to sell 14 million this year. Said, no way. He bets you $100 you can't do it. Cool. $100 cash money. We'll look yeah. for you next week. <laughs> Sounds great. We'll yeah, we were, we were uh, very fortunate. Well, I don't, dude, it is crazy when, because I'm talking to people about that recently where I'm like, yeah, I don't, we didn't know Ken was a big deal then. Right. Cause like Ken wasn't a big deal. <laughs> like we had no idea. Like you know, we knew, like we would be sitting at the, at the end of the table at the gold dinners and stuff. And he would start talking about business and we would just be sitting there like our jaws on the table. Like the stuff that he would just randomly say to us was like, you know, notepad worthy brilliance, but we didn't, but he didn't really have a big name at the time. He was a big deal to me. When I went to his office, I was probably pretty scared. <laughs> oh, usually he's always intimidating for sure. Yeah, and we yeah, didn't I we mean, didn't quite weigh what we do what we do now and Ken was like 100 pounds heavier than he is now. So I think the biggest thing that I learned from Ken Goodrich was accountability and discipline. Um he instilled that in his managers which then went to us, you know. Um but I think that's the biggest thing I learned with Ken was discipline and um and, that drive and accountability and that drive. And he, the way that he, you know, incentivized us from there to the way that we, you know, meet, we did meetings every single day. Those were all little things that kind of shape and mold you. I mean, I was 19 years old when I started there, you know? Mm, yeah. So, you know, it became kind of a natural part of me. And, you know, I started my own business, you know, and started training, developing people and, and some of the managers in the building and stuff. You know, um, I, I kind of use those same thing. My core principles are the, the things that I use to help, you know, that help me kind of grow. And I was able to develop a massive sales team there. I mean, without me there, those guys can do two to three million dollars a month. Um, and that's without me there. And I kind of got it to that point. So, um, Right along doing in-home sales presentations while the technicians there, you know, they would call me, get me in sight. I would sit in, you know, they would sit in the whole process. And at some point, you know, some of the guys would, would take on all the information they're getting and kind of develop a process that worked for them. And then I would kind of, you know, this last year has been in 2023 was letting these guys loose a little bit and having them try to close the deals on their own and, start getting some confidence in, in being, um, you know, a great technician and a sales guy out there, you know? Dude, I, I do kind of feel like, are you a UFC guy? You're, you still watch UFC, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know why I said that. Cause I know we used to watch the fights together back in the day, but back in the, uh, uh, Chuck Liddell and, and, uh, rampage days. But, um, I, I do kind of feel like, you know, Habib Nurmagomedov retiring before, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he, he had his glory, but like who God knows how many, how, how undefeated he was going to go, you know, like 
he nobody was going to beat that cat. And yeah. I I know you did fourteen point seven, bro. But I just feel like you got twenty in you. Mm-hmm. And we need to yeah. get you back in a truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what's great. Right now I'm um, you know, working for Champions Group and able to do ride alongs and stuff with, with some of the guys and really show them what I can do and what, what's possible and and really assist them with uh developing their process um that works for them. Cause everyone's process is a little different, you know, it's everyone's personality is a little different so their process is going to be a little bit different and you got to figure out what what works for you there's no smoking gun but i will tell you this if if you're disciplined and you work hard and you stay consistent you will be great you know there's no doubt about that i think i think if you give it enough time sometimes that's one to two years for some people that might be 10 15 20 years for other people um but giving up is is really the the downfall of most you know most people in any industry you're just like you're talking about in ufc i mean he hung it up and he was probably not at his prime or even no close way to it. yeah he might not even been in his prime yet but right. he made he, he had this thing and when his dad died that was it for him and I, there's not much more he could win i mean he set up he did everything he set out to do but it would have just been you know, obviously for a fight fan, fun to watch him keep going and see how many wins he racked up. And, you know, that's what I'm saying about you, buddy. You're not even 40 yet, are you? No, I'll be 40 next month. All right. Well, Mar- well March 17th. So, All right. So let's get you to 45. <laughs> let's see what, let's see if you can do 2025. 20, All right. But you, yeah, it, like back to UFC, you, you look at like Conor McGregor. He's not that great, but he's probably the most wow, well-known UFC fighter Oh yeah, by a long shot. Yeah, yeah, long shot. And he's not the greatest. I mean, but his work ethic, and he just never gives up. Like he'll probably come back and fight again. You know, I I don't know if he's on a card right now or not, but I don't think so. But I can't imagine he's done. He just it's in him. It's in him. Right. So you're out there doing your thing, and we talked about you and I talked about this on the phone earlier, which is that like uh, you clearly you don't need to work anymore. I mean, you can you can just do some investing and partner in some businesses and not ever run a call again, but you're flying around the country for service champions or the, the champions group, right? Yep. And you're, you're doing ride alongs and setting up sales teams and setting up sales processes for these businesses of theirs around the country. You don't have to be doing that, but is, is this, is it still just, you have that fight in you and you enjoy the ring? Yeah, I took a little bit of a some time off, and I just don't have it into me in me to sit out and um, yeah, I really want to at this point give back to the industry, especially my team, which is the Champions Group, which is you know very large. I think they have twenty two companies in their portfolio, and um, so there's plenty of guidance and you know um, and work that I can you know help them out with. And so, yeah, um, right now I'm teaming up with, uh, some of the brands and, and doing some sales trainings and helping them kind of scale their service department slash sales department, um, from where they're at. Cause every company is like every person, right? They're a little different. They do things a little different. They manage a little bit different. Their process of selling is a little different. So, um, you know, some of the branches can't fathom even generating sales leads off of their service department. You know, they're strictly doing sales off of retail leads that come in, estimates. Blech. So the service department has so much opportunity 
and, and a lot of companies, not saying service champions, but just in general, they're kind of missing the whole maintenance portion of that industry, you know, of our industry. Oh, wow. In 2024, huh? Yeah, it's some, I mean, it, it's, it's, um, you know, when we were at, yes, we had it down, right? We created and I was able to do, I was able to manage, um, and build a sales team, um, through the technicians and, and the sales department over there, um, to, you know, we were doing 25 million in the first 12 months. Um, so a lot of these businesses, they, they get most of their, you know, replacements through retail leads and um not so much the service department so So what's a what does a really good flip to you look like in in hvac and this would translate to electrical to plumbing to whatever uh services but how does you're you're not on the call yet nate is is on the call what's a really good look at a flip to you a really good look would be you know, a technician that has built like a really solid relationship with the customer, um, that customer would, you know, probably trust them quite a bit. Um, they spent the time to get to know the customer and there's no agendas behind it. They're genuine about it and they really just enjoy being at their house and trying to help them out with any issues that they have. So the relationship part of it is really important, the communication, um, that technician doing, you know, a really thorough job as far as cleaning their units and doing an inspection. Um, at that point, their ability to present some some options as far as repairs um, is really great. If they can build a decent ticket and present it to the client, it's an easy transition. You know, I've, I've coached all my guys to basically say, Hey, I've went over these three options for repairs, but one thing I do want you to consider is that the system is over 10 years old and I'd hate to see you spend, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars on this unit when, you know, all you would be doing is kicking the can down the road and, you know, um, delaying this a replacement. And I think it's in your best interest to, you know, have a conversation with my manager, you know, and it's, it's as simple as that. Um, and if they've done and built a really great relationship and they're not just trying to like slam dunk it really quick and get out of there or set the lead and get out of there really quick, you know, the close rate, I mean, the way that I've trained my guys over at Fetch, you know, the, my closing rate was like 85%. If I went to the wow. customer's house, um, they were, they were buying like some of the good guys, um, the guys that were more advanced in their process you know, might go into talking about, you know, um, price conditioning. Um, they might, they, I would say running credit, but that's typically, I only had one guy that was comfortable doing that and getting it to where they're like pre-qualifying the customer if we got out there, but that's really advanced. Um, but more importantly, just being there and, and helping them out and being, having a great relationship with them. So conversely, Brent, I mean, what are like the top three rookie mistakes that any tech flipper does that gets them in trouble? <sighs> rookie mistakes, jumping to the replacement right away, talking about a replacement right away, talking about the age of their equipment right away, asking them about their finances right away um, without really, you know, that technician that goes in and they're just trying to get the, the replacement really fast, you know. 
me and Brian worked with one of those guys. (laughs) (laughs) One. (laughs) Um, That's a rookie mistake. Yes, you will get some, you know, here and there, you know, but the majority of the people you're going to, it's going to be a red flag, you know. And the ones you don't get become one-star Google reviews on top of it. Exactly. Yeah. The guys that are good that we can go out and consistently close deals for them at 20, 30, 40, 50, $200,000, they've built an amazing relationship with the customer and they've given them, you know, repair options before that, before we've ever talked about replacement. I've always encouraged every guy that I worked with to give the customers repair options before I get there. So they know that the system can be repaired. Um, it's not in their best interest to repair it, but at least you have the option to do that. So when we do go over all the replacement options, they're able to kind of, um, and if they're not going to buy it, we're able to kind of fall back to, to, well, let's just at least get this mandated up right now and get you guys going. So pushing back on that a little bit, Brent, I mean, what if, uh, you know, what if I'm out on a system today and there's no obvious repairs needed, but the system is of age, you know, it's 15 years old. Uh, it's one of those old systems that just keeps on going and going and going. And, you know, you have a client who's like, I haven't replaced anything on this machine for 15 years. You know, it's doing just fine for me. Is that still something that we can conversate with the client about? And how would you have that conversation? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons to replace systems outside of you know failed components, um, lack of, you know maintenance, the coil being dirty, just the cost of removing the coil and cleaning that. Why would we invest you know eight hundred dollars to do that? Um, the energy consumption of the system versus what a new system would be, and the reality is is that you know the customer is probably going to be replacing that unit anyways shortly, so. You know, why do it on an emergency basis, especially in a climate like Las Vegas where the temperatures get out 110 degrees? Like, you know, I have a conversation with a customer not too long ago and they just said that. They were like, oh, it's 25 years old, never done anything with it. I said, yeah, you haven't. And usually, you know, when it breaks, it'll break, you know, and it'll be 110 degrees. And, um, you know, people are able to be reasonable. it's, It's all in how it's not what you say, but how you say it, you know. And it's all in the presentation and the way that you talk to the customer and relate to them. Um, but at the end of the day, if they're a 25-year-old machine, they know it needs to be replaced. They're concerned about it. That's probably why you're there, you know, looking at it. Um, so you don't necessarily have to have something wrong with the system. Um, but you could be talking about the maintenance of it. You could be talking about the energy savings. Um, the you got to really find the pain point for the customer, what their, their issues are, you know? Yeah. So speaking of, uh, how you say it and what you say, uh, would you be kind enough to do some role play for us today, Brent? Sure. All right. So let's say Brian is the client and, um, you're out there to do a routine maintenance. It is a system that is up in years. So we'll say it's, you know, somewhere between that 12 and 17 year range, if that's fair. Uh, but there's no discernible, like, necessary repairs for the unit to continue working today. So it is working as it is. There may be some wear and tear on the parts that you see because of the age, but it it's still chugging along. Um, let's role play the wrong way to do this first. So, you know, put, put yourself back in like rookie Brent shoes, you know, from like 65 years ago, how you would have done it back then. 
when you were only turning a million a year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no. when, when, when you were 13 and you made your first sale, what was like, what would the, what's the bad conversation? Or, I mean, to be a realistic, you know, for all the people that you coach and all the texts that you see across the nation and different states and all this, you know, what, what are some of the embarrassing, like, uh, just, you know, forehead rubbing uh, type scenarios that you hear um, role play that for us with Brian? Yeah. I mean, I think the, like I said earlier, the, the worst is really them bringing up how old their equipment is right when they walk in the door, you know, um, that's, that's a terrible thing. Or they've been up on their roof or in their basement looking at their heater and for five to 10 minutes and they come up and say, Hey, this thing really needs to be replaced. You know? So I'm like, Oh, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Or, Mrs. Jones, did you know these things cost $40,000 now? I'm like, Oh, don't say that yet. (laughs) Don't say that yet. We, we, we will ease into that, you know, like, and it it can be up to 40. There's a lot of stuff that is cheaper. So, you know, um, big trigger words for a customer. Think like if, you know, I always try to think like if I'm the customer, right. And somebody came into my house and they told me I needed a new unit after looking at it for 10 minutes and kicked it. You know, I, I would be like, really? Are you kidding me? But if somebody came out there and they did a really thorough maintenance, they cleaned out my coils, they showed me all the leaves they took out of the air conditioning unit. They, you know, when they had the top off, they brought me and they showed me some of the oil that's kind of leaking from the motor. It's not necessary, but that's kind of like the first signs of, of you know, it beginning to fail. And they were just easing me into it and I was kind of understanding it. And during my process, I'm really trying to just get them involved um, periodically, like with things that I see that might be going on and keep their mind going through the call. I think the biggest mistake I see from riding along with some of these texts um, is they will wait till the very end and present a laundry list of problems with their system or their plumbing system or HVAC system that totals $3,000. And it's really, and then they, they talk about, well, you should replace it, you know? Well, it's very overwhelming for the customer when you throw up on them at the very end with all these things that are wrong with their equipment. It's like, really, I just had you out here for maintenance. I got 10 things that need to be repaired. You know, but if you actually get them involved during the process of this, of the service call and you're doing small closes is what I call it. And that's why I kind of coach the guys. Small closes is like bringing the customer to the equipment and saying, Hey, I just noticed this. Why I had the top off. I wanted you to see this. Um, do you know how long this has been leaking oil? And they're going to tell you, I don't know. I, nobody showed me this before. Okay. I just, I wanted to let you know about that. Why I had this off that that's all I'll, I'll report back to you when I get finished. So that was a small close. So now the entire time the customer is thinking about, oh, shoot, I'm going to have to either replace this motor or if it's old, they're probably thinking about a replacement unit, right? So, and I might do that maybe, it depends on the customer, but it could be just once. It could be two, three times. If I'm not getting a lot of interaction from the customer, I I might do it two or three different times and um, just bring them to the equipment and get them involved. Are you doing it the exact same way two, three different times? Are you changing it up? I mean, I know in most cases, like we always feel like the client's going to see that you did the same thing two or three times. They don't, they have no concept of what we're doing. No. Um, it's always, it's, it's always gauged around my ability to, uh, you know, adjust my 
my presentation to the customer I'm dealing with at that point. So if it's a fast paced customer that, you know, it's hard for me to keep their attention and they, you know, like me, if you came to my house and I needed a new air conditioning unit, I would not sit down for two hours for a presentation. It's not going to happen. Like, just tell me how much it is and I'll buy it, (laughs) you know? Um, So you have to read those customers, right? Or you have those customers that really want the time spent and they want to really know every detail of every little thing that is being done. And you got to, you know, it's taken me years to, to get to this point where I can read a customer and the body language and get their interaction by asking questions and kind of understand what kind of a customer I'm dealing with at that time. And, and that may mean, you know, I may only involve them one time in a small close, or it might mean that I have to involve them three or four different times in a small close, but it really depends on the, on the customer I'm dealing with. So if a, if a, you bring a client out to the unit and you're talking about doing one of those small closes, like, Hey, you know, when's, how long has this oil been leaking? And they're like, Oh shoot. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Is that a problem? And they start engaging with you. Well, we have kind of been thinking about replacing this unit. Do you hold them off at that point and say, Hey, that's, that's a great idea. Tell you what, let me finish what I'm doing here and we'll circle back to it. Or do you engage right away if they bring it up? No, I want to, I want to defer to the end of the call. Cause I want to be able to sit down on the table and say, Hey, remember when we talked about that? Remember when we talked about that? Cause yes, they remember they're, they're thinking about the entire time you're there, you know? And no, if, if you throw out a price out there about a, what a motor cost or a new unit cost or anything like that, it's over, it's done. Like I found that out for the most part, they're either going to think it's too much money or they're going to go with it. One of the two. And it's normally it's too much. It's always too much. Right. Right. So, so yeah, being able to do small closes throughout the call and, and just show them and get them involved in that. And sometimes you can't, sometimes you have to take pictures and you have to show the customer. So I'll take a picture, bring it in, show them. And then they'll, they may start asking like, well, how much does that cost? You know, what, you know, how long do you think that'll last? And I always defer it to, well, let me finish my inspection and kind of go through everything else to make sure that we're, you know, there's nothing else going on and I'll report back to you at the end. And, you know, it's, it's getting them involved in their, their brain moving, you know? So at the end, it's not, it's not a surprise to them. It's not overwhelming, you know? Does that make sense? I'm with you, man. So let, let's role play this thing. So Brian's your client. You've done a couple of those small closes with him. And now, now you're sitting down to discuss with him, not only the findings of, you know, the, the overall maintenance that you were there to do, but how you are going to bring about this conversation of replacement. Let's hear what you have. Yeah. Um, Hey Brian. Uh, I know that, uh, I know that we had uh, discussed um, a few things that were going on with the system. You had some questions. So I'm here to ask, answer anything that, that you might have um, as far as the um, motor outside. Yeah, if, if I have any questions, it's one, how much is it going to be? And two, I mean, you kind of mentioned softly a couple of times, like the age that it is. How long do these things typically last? Well, I mean, typically here in, in the, Val- uh, the Vegas Valley, you know, they, they can last like 10, 15 years on average. I think your, how old is your unit again? Eight years. Eight years? Okay. Yeah, it's a, uh, this is an eight-year-old house, right? A, you That's correct. Put in by the yeah. builder. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it can last less than, than 10 years, um, especially on the new builds because like new construction units. And so they don't always put the best, 
equipment in. I'm, I'm sure you know that, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 Have you have to replace anything else in your house? Uh, we, we just had our water heater done actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that happens. The water quality here is really bad. Did you end up going with that water purification system or did you just do the water heater? No, no. We just had some kind of random cheap knockoff company that replaced my water heater. Didn't even test my water. They're such hacks. <laughs> hacks, I tell you. Hacks. Huh. Yeah, I noticed that, you know, they didn't put the earthquake straps and stuff on it and um, the pan. You probably, probably wouldn't be a bad idea to have one of our plumbers come out and kind of just take a look at it and make sure everything's up to code, you know? Sure. Yeah. Have them swing by. If they're yeah. as professional as you, Brent. Yeah. I want to meet sure. them. Yeah. But anyways, back to the, uh, I'll, I'll get that plumbing appointment set up when I, when I get done here. So, um, it might be able to just have somebody come out, look at it for free. If that's okay with you. Perfect. Yeah. That okay. makes even more yeah. sense. Yeah. Maybe if we do the motor or something like that, maybe we can get that free inspection done. We'll, we'll see. But anyways, um, the motor probably should be replaced when you agree. I mean, there's oil and stuff coming out of it. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. The reason I, I was asking how long does the system typically last, and you're saying around 10 years, it's like, does it make sense to put that money? How much is the motor versus the new system? Well, you know, a new system, there's a lot of options, and um, we could go over that if you want. You know, I, I if I was you too, I mean, at eight years old, you know, spend, you know, the, the motors with the capacitor and stuff is about $1,200. If you get the maintenance plan, you know, there's a discount there. Um, but it is kind of a lot of money to put into a system that's, you know, approaching 10 years old on builder grade, you know, it probably, you know, before we did the motor, I think it would be a good idea for you to at least have a conversation with my manager and about a replacement unit. I mean, don't you think that's probably a good idea? When you say a conversation with your manager? Yeah. Um, they can just kind of go over some different options we have for replacement. If it doesn't make sense, we can just, you know, end up doing the motor anyways. Is that over the phone? We just get him on speakerphone? Um, I got a guy that's actually at the shop. He's not too far away. He can shoot over here right now and, while I'm and here. Then, okay. And he just come over and what? Give me pricing? Yeah. Um, I'll stay here. So, you know, if you don't want to do the replacement, then I can do the motor if you want. Oh, okay. So he's going to give me pricing on that and then we'll make a decision which way to go. Yeah, I think at eight years old, you're like I said, you're approaching that ten year mark, and it's a builder grade unit, and it's probably worth having a conversation about. So, you know, I think, you know, I think, you know, I don't know, if you really want to put twelve hundred dollars into the machine to kick the can down the road another year or two, I mean, it, you know, they've got great financing plans and stuff. I think you should hear them out. <laughs> I love that. I don't know if you guys could tell, but he's like struggling to stay in technician mode and not go into advisor mode. Like it's killing him. I know. I know if your tech said the things you just said, you'd be pissed when you got there. <laughs> and I'm like trying to drag him and drag him. But I love what you kept doing as a, as the technician, where you would not say I should replace it. You would simply say it makes more sense to just have all, all your options. Let's get my manager over and let him he, give you all your options. He actually asked Brian. He didn't, he didn't really. Yeah, that's that true. He, he asked like, don't you think it might make sense to gather your options? Yeah. And, and the way you kept doing that. And I almost, I was like teeing it up for you to tell me to replace the system and you wouldn't do it. And that is a well-trained flipping tech that, that will not say, 
yes, you need to replace it. Just, yes, you should have all your options. Or yeah. in your case, even better, don't you which, think you should have What's great options? is then I get somebody else out there. They wait, you know, the time frame to get them out there. I'm sitting there on site. Now there's time invested from the client, from the technician, and now the sales guy that's coming out. And it's harder for people to not move forward with that option, you know, especially when they've committed so much time um, to having you come out and stuff. And the way that the technician set up the flip was, look, I can repair this thing, but it's probably not worth doing. You know, like I think you should consider replacement, right? And he's built a really solid foundation, what I call, you know, a good relationship. Trust is built. The people really like him, you know? So, um, and that's the, that's their job as far as a tech flip goes. And that's kind of what I'm, you know, doing. And, and when the people I'm training with every day, you know, they get to see that version of it, you know? Are the majority of, of the techs you're training staying on site and waiting for the comfort advisor? Yes. Um, the way the way that I trained the technicians at Fetchatech was that the the goal is to get a comfort advisor there on site with them there um, within what I say an hour period. What happens is that if they reschedule that appointment for another day or there's a delay in us getting out there. Um, the the value and the relationship and the urgency dissipates, mm-hmm. and so the it's you're ten tw- probably ten times more likely to get it sold and closed uh, while the technicians there on site than it would be if they booked it four or five days out. Um, because now they've done all kinds of research. They talked to uncle Joe in Florida that had a unit put in for $4,000 and their friend does air conditioning. And, you know, my, my experience is, is that if they book it out a day to a day is okay, but if they book it out two days, a week, three days, something like that, you know, the chances of me even getting the opportunity to go out there goes in half. They usually cancel, or if I do go out there, there's you know, there's all kinds of objections that come up that weren't initially there when the technician was there on the site. So, and I understand that you know, getting in front of a customer on the same day, um, as far as a sales presentation, um, is tough. You know, it's not always possible, um, but if, when it is and when it can be, it should be done, and it should be done the same day. So two logistical questions there, Brent. Uh, you know, if I'm the technician who is setting the lead, what am I doing for the next hour? And then the second question is, in high demand situations, like super cold, super hot, how are you possibly getting response time in that short of a timeline uh, for all these calls that are coming in? So first answer to your question, not talking about air conditioning. Um, not sitting in your truck. I, I, <laughs> you guys might laugh, but I tell my Texans, plant your ass on that couch and don't get up. <laughs> and that means talk to the customer, have coffee with them, pet their dog, ask them if you can change any light bulbs, batteries. I, I showed up to one, uh, one of my technicians that was cleaning, cleaning solar panels on the roof of the customer. Um, cause nobody had, there's bird crap all over in Vegas. We got pigeons everywhere and, um, you know, solar is a pretty big, big thing out there in San Phoenix, but, um, he was literally brushing and cleaning and washing off the solar panels on the roof 
Well, when I got there, I, was, I mean, it was already it was with that with him doing that. That built so much value for the customer. It didn't matter if I was a hundred thousand dollars for the unit; she was going to buy it. You know, right. so there's a lot of gestures that go a long way, and. I think the most common gesture and the easiest one is always accept the cup of coffee or the water they're giving you, you know, drink it, sit down with them, talk to them, you know, know them as a person, get to know their hobbies and, you know, ask how long you live, they live in the home, ask them questions you already know the answers to. I mean, I do that all the time. Like I know how long they live in the home. I looked it up, you know? And, um, so what I don't want them talking about is after they've gotten the commitment for me to get on site or a comfort advisor to get on site and go over options, I want them to stop talking about the air conditioning um, or the plumbing repair. And I want them to, to really get the customer warm and fuzzy and build a relationship and just talk to them and, um, as they wait. Love that. Now, what about in these high demand situations where waiting becomes a challenge because there's just so many people waiting? Well, um, first off, you know, like when I was at Fetch, I built, and even at Yes, we built a team that was able to, um, and Brian could probably back this up, but we built a team that we could manage when we had high demand. I could still get a comfort advisor out there um, within an hour or two. I mean, if it got real, real busy, um, you know, if I have guys that are really great closers, um, we might do a phone close. Um, just, I almost would rather do a phone close on the phone with a customer and a technician that's in the, in the field in high demand, than book it out two or three days later, because that customer is no longer going to be there. Hmm. They're going to either bought the equipment from someone else, at least in our market in Vegas. Um, they've, they would have either bought, it's like water heater leaking and you're telling them, okay, I can get a sales guy out there to go over options for a water heater in two days. Do you think that yeah. customer is going to be there still? You know? Right. Yeah. 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 They're gone. And that makes sense. Uh, of course, because you know, strike, well, strike while the iron's hot, right? Yeah, the emotions and the urgencies there and the customers all in the feelings about it. And, you know, for one and two, it's an emergency, right? It's high demand. People are needing our services. You know, if we made them wait a day or two for somebody to come out, you know, that's that's bad service, right, in my opinion. And so I'd rather do one of two things. One is be prepared, which I'm usually prepared, um, or two you know, the backup plan would be to have that technician going over options over the phone with me. And, um, so that customer didn't have to wait. And I might say something in the fact of like, Hey, Mrs. Jones, um, I know we talked about having one of our managers come out there, but because it's 110 degrees, we are really, really backed up right now. I don't really want you to wait, you know, have to wait two days, three days, for us to come out and then another day or two to install, that wouldn't be fair to you, right? Right. They'd be like, no, I don't want to wait two days. Okay, let's go over this. Let's get on FaceTime and let's kind of go over all the options that we've got for you. And um, let's get something picked out and let's get it done. Get it done. So, so one more logistical question on there, Brent. Um, in a scenario like that, 
you know, a lot of our technicians, a lot of technicians in general are dealing with what we commonly call one-leggers, where there's just one person in the house and there's another person who is involved in the decision-making process who is unavailable. How are you carrying out the execution of this one-hour turn, you know, in a, my spouse is at work, my spouse is unavailable, you know, I mean, this is fairly common that there's somebody else involved who is not readily available for a deep conversation. How do you overcome that? Well, this is my favorite objection. And I always, when my guys tell me this, I just kind of laugh in my head because they're like, well, it's a one legger. And I'm like, well, I mean, there are times where you really just can't get a hold of them. But most of the time, like if I was at home and my air conditioning unit was out and my wife was at work and unavailable, and I needed to buy a new air conditioning unit, I'd be giving her a freaking call. And if I really wanted to buy that, I would be making it happen. So a lot of times the one lager is just an objection for other areas that maybe they have an objection towards, maybe price, might be equipment, whatever it might be. Most of the time it's price. Um, Because Brian, you live in Arizona now, right? Yep. If it's 110 degrees and you just waited a day and a half for an HVAC guy to get to your house. I got some unhappy family members. And, and I told you it was going to be 15 grand. Are you getting a hold of the one leg? Yeah, I'm getting a hold of the wallet, buddy. It's, the wallet's coming out. You're of not even going to ask, right? No, of course not. So your water heater's out, right? You got water coming down your garage driveway and... Are you really going to tell the plumber that's there with the water heater that you need to talk to your wife about it? Yeah. I'm glad we had you over today, but give me a couple days to talk to the missus. <laughs> yeah. It's it's an objection. I mean, in that case, it's an objection. It's an emergency, right? Like things are – they're going to have to do it, right? They think your price is too high probably or that you haven't built enough value to justify All the right, price. All right. So let's, let's do it. Nate, Nate's the customer now. Uh, hit, hit him with it, Nate. Hey, Brett, you know, I appreciate you coming out here, man. And I, it, you know, I appreciate you offering to have one at your, a phone call or, or your manager stop on by. Um, this seems like a pretty big decision and I'm not sure I'm prepared to even have a conversation without my wife being here. Is this something that we could schedule for another time? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, replacing your heating and cooling system can be, you know, a major home improvement. And, um, you know, do you agree that, you know, what I presented today is probably what needs to be done? Well, it's certainly concerning, yes. And uh, obviously, we want to make sure that we have heating and cooling in our house for the foreseeable future. So it's not that I'm questioning what you're saying. It's it's that this feels big, you know? Oh, yeah. It's definitely a, a big uh, home improvement for your house. And um, when is your wife supposed to be home? She gets off around uh, five, so a couple hours from now. Oh, okay, just a couple hours. I've got another call in the area. Um, how about I swing by after that call, and that should be probably perfect timing. Um, kind of sit down and go over everything. Sure. Wow, I didn't. I didn't realize you worked that late. But uh, if that's possible, that would be fine. Yeah, I'm already in the area. Um, I have another call off of you know College and Fourth Street, and um, it'll probably take me a couple hours, and then uh, yeah, I'll hit. On the way home, I mean, you don't have air conditioning, and I'm sure your family would appreciate 
you know, probably speeding this process up as much as possible. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I would. That that would be fine. Thank you. Okay. All right. Wait, well, so I'll you, see you in a few hours. You obviously know the difference between talking to somebody who, like Nate in this situation, who's very sincerely not making a move until he talked to his wife so and the that, person who's throwing a smoke screen at you like, yeah, which, which may very well be, I might be able to get this a little cheaper. Let me look around a little bit. The key was he told me his wife's going to be home in two hours. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew that he was interested in replacing it and he really needed his wife involved and it would be a couple hours from now and maybe we can get this done. If he told me, well, I don't know when she gets off and you know, you know, her, her next day off's Friday you know, maybe we can do something then, you know, that would tell you the urgency in the customer's mind, right? Then I would start probing questions like, well, Mr. Jones, the unit's out and you don't have any air. I mean, can we figure out something right here that works for both of us, you know, and see the difference? Because I was able to kind of tell if that was a one-legger or if it actually was a one-legger, you know? Yeah. So. <clears throat> and Nate's, uh, if Nate had gotten a little squirrely and yeah, I'm not sure when, and well, she's a nurse and sometimes she picks up extra shifts and like, I'll just call you. Hey, how about you just leave the quote, shoot me an email, that kind of thing. You're, you're going to push in a little bit more for the close. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll push a little bit more or if I can, t- if I can tell it's not going to happen, what, what I have done in the past is, I'll shoot him a text like two, three hours later, like when I know his wife's probably going to be home in the evening. And when I say, hey, John, this is Brent with Fetchatech. Um, I know when I was out your home a little bit earlier. Hey, we had a spot open up tomorrow morning. I know it's last minute. And I just wanted to kind of let you know that there's availability. And my general manager offered a 10% discount if you guys want to fill that spot. So no pressure, but if you'd like to fill it, let me know. Um, save a little bit of money, and I know your wife is coming home tonight, so keep me posted. And if they're really interested, I think, you know, I've gotten so many deals off of doing that, and it's not a huge discount, 10%. You know, our guys are allowed to do up to 10%. So um, they might text me back, we're getting other bids, or they might text me back, you know, um, sorry, it's just not going to happen right now. Or that sounds great, but you know, follow up with me on Friday. Then you kind of know where you stand, right? Most salespeople, they, they leave and they just don't know where they stand, right? They never follow up. They never have another conversation. And through text, it's, 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 uh, it's not, you know, really, I don't know what the word is, but it's not difficult to respond to somebody in text now answering the phone and actually having a live conversation with somebody is a little harder. So, well, speaking sure. of having uh, hard conversations, um, Brian, what, what would it sound like for you to overcome that? Like from, from your angle? Well, I, I have two, probably like three or four rebuttals, like that I would consider canned rebuttals for that one. Now, um, one of them, I think I, I think I came up with, with, you or maybe it was a little bit after I left. Yes, but I thought it was from the yes days, which was the um, 100% guarantee close, which is to say, hey, man, look, why don't you just go ahead and get this taken care of for her? So this isn't something she has to worry about when she gets home. And I'll tell you what I'll do. And obviously, I'm talking about a water heater and probably some water treatment. I'm not talking about 
getting a crane out and replacing the system up on the roof like you might be talking about. But for me, it was something I could probably do right there on site. And I would say, let me just get, get this taken care of. If it doesn't do everything that you thought it would do and she doesn't love it, I'll, call, I'll tell you what, I'll call you in three days. And if it doesn't fulfill all your needs, I'll come back and yank it out. I'll give you 100% of your money back. So that's one, which is just the, the 100% guarantee close. And then the other one would be to say, look, man, I, I get it. I, I would hate to make a decision like this without my spouse as well. But let me tell you, man, I'm out working all day. My wife's at home with the kids all day. When I get home late in the evening, you know, to, to walk into the water heater, running water out down the garage, down the driveway, or in Nate's case, in the basement. Um, and now I have this issue that's been an issue all day and I have to deal with the decision on top of it when what could have happened is I could have walked into the house and my wife just said this was completely taken care of for me already. That would have been a weight off my back that I don't want to deal with. For what we're probably talking about is even if you go find another company that's going to give you the exact same quality product, the exact same quality technician like me, drug tested, background check, fully covered by a warranty by, by a company that has one of the tightest reputations in the area for a little bit less money, if it was even possible. You're talking about a few dollars less a month to have to go through this process with a couple other companies. Let me just go ahead and get it taken care of for you right here, right now, and you won't have to worry about it anymore. Does that sound All good? All right, let's, yeah, let's do it, Brian. Like, I don't want to go. <laughs> so, uh, and then I, I, I would make the jokes too, which is just like, I assure you, the next guy you get out here, next plumber, he ain't going to be as charismatic as me. You're not going to have as much fun with him as you're going to have with me. It's going to be someone you wish you didn't I, let into your home. And I feel like you're going to do a good job. So let's get it done. All right, buddy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Just sign, 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 sign. <laughs> Sorry. Sold. Endorse. Endorse. <laughs> So Brent, uh, shifting gears here, I appreciate all the you know, tips and, and guidance there on setting a proper lead. Now let's talk about what that $14.7 million comes from, the actual presentation and conversation in the home. So you, we've, we've trained our guys, we've worked with the, the people who are, who are positioning the conversation well and conditioning the homeowner to be prepared to have this conversation. Now that to me, that's a double-edged sword, right? Because you know, you're going out there, and they know why you're coming out there. So guards up, you know. Let's 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 duke it out a little bit here. I, I got a I got a guy coming over here specifically to sell me a unit. While on the flip side, you know, they are at least ready and prepared, and this isn't going to catch them blindsided. Like, whoa, there's thirty thousand dollars I didn't see coming. So talk to us about how you establish yourself in the home when you've been invited in by a technician and the homeowner, and, and where do you start with your comfort advisor, selling, uh, selling manager? Where does that conversation begin? Let, let me stop you right there, Brent. Yeah. I don't, I don't say this often. Usually the guest does, but great question, Nate. Goodness gracious. That was really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, Thanks, Brian. <laughs> you know, transitioning from me coming to the door and the technician sitting there on the couch and um, having conversations with the customer. The goal is that the customer is asking the technician how much a new unit costs, right? It's their idea to have me there. And that was through asking the right questions, listening, presenting, and letting them, you know, taking them down that path. But at the same time, um, it's their idea to have me there. So 
hopefully the guard is down a little bit um, and the technician's done a really good job. Let's say he hasn't um, or it's been an okay job. When I come in, you know, I'm going to go down and I'm going to say, hey, where's a great place to, to sit? Where are you guys comfortable? They're going to say the couch. It seems like more of the couch these days than the table. Um, it just depends on the customer. But, you know, I might sit on the couch next to them and, and talk to them a little bit about some things I see in the house. And then I'll, I'll turn to the technician and be like, hey, why don't you uh, fill me in on what's going on and, you know, why I'm here today. And the technician's going to kind of go through his findings He's going to kind of go and repeat over what he's talked to the customer and, and get their, their buy-in to it. And he's going to kind of give me a, a briefing on, you know, why we're there, why things need to be replaced. And I'll be like, really, you know, let me, let me see that, you know, so I'll get up in the attic. So a quick at- time out there, Brent, before yeah. I, you're getting up in the attic, when you're sitting down there, you said you'll sit next to the client. Is, is that typical of what you do? And if so, where does the technician sit? Does it matter? So I always analyze this and it's become kind of just a natural part, but I will sit as close to the client as I can be comfortably and making them comfortable. Because the closer I am, it seems like the the better the interaction is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So when I see the one that... Now you, I might walk in and the customer is pacing around the backyard and they're not even at the couch and I got to kind of reel them in and, and get them back to the, the table or the couch and we kind of, you know, get down to business. But I think, I think being non-threatening and just nonchalant and just like you're there to just give them options. Um, I want to hear what the technicians found, even though I have all these answers already, I want, I want to have them repeat it to me in front of the customer um, I want to have him show me, so I'll go and look up in the attic, I'll look outside, I'll grab my ladder. Okay, so on. sorry, secondary time out there. Yeah. How do how do you know all this stuff already? Because the technician set the lead and you said don't move your butt from that couch. So how have you how have you gained this information? So I've been talking to this technician um along the sales process. Okay. Yeah, he's been texting me or calling me like, Hey, this is going on. This is what they're saying. This is what I have going on here. Let me present this. He'll present it, go back out to the truck or whatever. Talk to me. Um, and so I kind of have a pretty good idea of what, what's going on there already. Um, but I want to hear it from his mouth in front of the client. And so they can hear it again. And then I want him to show me so I can kind of confirm, Hey, this, you know, this ductwork is undersized. It's, it is torn. It's not in great condition. It's restricting airflow. He shows me this. Can you believe this? Can you that? And, um, the customer is kind of involved in that process, you know? Uh, okay. So this again. is, this is sort of akin to like the dental hygienist handing off to the dentist, right? The dentist right. has already read the chart. He already knows what's going on, but yeah. the hygienist is in there kind of pointing out, Oh yeah, this tooth and this tooth and this tooth. And right. the dentist is just nodding along like, yep. Right. Yep. Okay. So not right, only so you're climbing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So that, that way the, all of us are on the same page, right? Like the client knows what needs to be done. I know what needs to be done. The technician knows what needs to be done. So there's no, like, he didn't tell me that, you know, at the end or he didn't say that or, you know, so, um, it, it's worked out very well. And the more interaction also when they're booking the lead, they will get me on the phone and be like, Hey Brent, I got this going on. Um, blah, blah, blah. Are you available to come out? Yeah, I'm right down the street. I'm not that far. You know, I'll be over there in 20 minutes. So yeah, 
Okay. And then, sorry, to answer that question about where the technician sits. So if you're sitting next to the client, is it important where they sit relative to you and the client? So it depends, you know, it depends. Like if they just have one couch and we're all three sitting on the couch or if it's at a table, I'll, I'll try to be in a position where it's non-threatening, you know? Yeah. So I'll sit next to them, maybe a cushion over or, um, but not like, like straight onto them, or I might sit at an angle from them at the table. It's non-threatening. Um, body language means a whole lot in sales. So the more chill you are and the, your body language is, you know, non-threatening, it, it's, it's going to make your life a lot easier. But okay, it doesn't, so- it doesn't matter where the tech who turned the lead over sits. No. Um, or are, you, I do- are you, are you done with him at that point? No, he's staying there. Yeah, he's I mean, staying there e- through even, the sales even, process. Okay, through the entire close and everything. Yeah, because yeah. he's he's the backup plan if uh, they choose to repair, right? So he's always there. Yes and no, but when it comes down to it, if I'm like presenting options and the customer's kind of hem-hawing around about like doing the repair or not, the technician would be like, yeah, Mr. Jones, it's probably best to just replace it. And he's just a... a they're, remember, they already like him. He's not the sales guy. He, they like him. They trust him. He's built a relationship with them. You know, I'm just in there to try to sell him the unit, you know? So right. is in, in their minds. So he's there for support. Um, but typically, I don't think, you know, I think the process with some of my guys, the process is so good that um, – from start to finish, we we usually will walk out with some of the biggest tickets we can get, you know, like sure. duck work, duck work, insulation. And then also, Brian, I was wanting to know if it was okay if my plumber came over and looked at the water heater. <laughs> you said, is tomorrow at nine o'clock good? <laughs> That's perfect. Okay. <laughs> all right. So you're sitting and, in And the, it's going to be free. I, we won't charge you for of that. Of course. Of course. Okay. Oh, all right. Thank you. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> Complimentary. So right, <laughs> Complimentary. There you go. <laughs> Nothing's free. My dad always told me that. Nothing's free. I mean, yeah. if I had one, he would have told me that. Oh, boy. <laughs> Another episode. My dad Brian. said, this is America. <laughs> Nothing's free. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's no free lunch. All right, Brent. So you're sitting in the uh, family room. You're next to the client. You're you're advocating on their behalf. The technician is kind of parroting what you're saying and, and reinforcing a lot of the conversation. You're coming to a collective understanding. You're getting up in the attic, getting down in the basement, wherever you need to go to actually like physically examine what's going on. And and now you uh, you at least have a uh, same pageness with the technician and the client. Like all three of you are on the same page. This is the condition. These are the concerns. Where do we go from there? Do you just say like, hey, uh, you want to replace this or what? No, um, I'll say, hey, do you mind if we go back to the couch and we'll kind of sit down and go over some options and I'll tell them, I'll say, look, you know, it's just, you know, buying an air conditioning heating system is just like buying anything. There's low end to high end. And so typically what I'll do is I'll just kind of give you everything from, I usually start at the best and kind of work my way down. And, um, and then you can kind of choose whatever you feel is best for your home. You know, sound good? That sounds yeah. fine. Okay. So then I'll go over, you know, I'm a big advocate for inverters, especially in our climate. Um, high efficiency air conditioning units. Um, I have one on my home. You know, I think everybody should have one in the desert. So I translate that pretty 
heavily in my presentation. Um, and I'll spend, if I'm presenting all the equipment options and stuff like that, I'll probably spend, let's say, 25 minutes. Um, I'll probably spend 15 minutes of that talking about the inverter and some of the higher efficiency options and why it matters for their home and what a difference it would make in their comfort. And then I kind of work my way down to the more basic of the equipment that we have. And I think by the time we get down to the basic, nobody wants that. You know, I think um, I spend so much time and there's so much convincement of my presentation to them about high efficiency equipment. A lot of people want that, you know. Um, so why do you, why do you start at the top? I mean, obviously they're going to experience some significant sticker shock. You know, when you roll out the platinum package there at fifty thousand dollars, and they're like, "That's a car payment, Brent." Yeah, I mean, just like everything these days, you know, um, everything's gone up, right? Can't buy, you know. I, I I always talk about the truck I bought. And, 2013 and f-250 and it was brand new and it's 54 grand and i always say guess how much that costs now today and like yeah. 90 100 000 almost so you know nothing is cheap these days but um but it's well worth the comfort and when you look at the other packages we have it's not that much more money and you kind of get you get a lot more for your bang for your buck you know yeah, so early in the podcast, you mentioned that you're not selling systems, you're selling comfort. And how do you integrate that philosophy? Do you actually drop that line to the client? Or is that just like your motto? And then you bring about what that means in the conversation? Yeah, when I talk about like inverter systems, high efficiency systems, there are variable speed capacity. And we increase in um, we do duct duct replacements, um, higher insulated ducting, because in our climate, it's all flex duct for the most part. It's really to improve the quality of comfort in their house and um, and the air distribution, and they kind of get to customize it the way that they want it for their home, you know? So the whole, I sell more inverters than anybody probably in the Southwest. Um, and that's because the way that I present it is, we just like that, you know, like I, you know, an HVAC system is not just a heating and cooling system. It's something you got to live with for the next 15 or 20 years, you know? And they kind of, when you say that, they kind of like, yeah, this is not like a car that I'm going to replace every four or five years, you know? This is an HVAC system that you're going to have to live with, you know? Um, so if you want to cut corners or you want to do it, with the least efficient option, um, that's something you're going to have to live with for the next 15 or 20 years, you know? Um, so that's, that's kind of when I'm talking to the customer, it's the way I'm saying it to them. And they, they understand like, Hey, we're going to live in this house for a while. Why don't we just do the best of the best and have the best comfort? We're going to be paying a lot of money anyways, all around, you know? So, yeah. So why not? And I assume you bring in quite a bit there about like the family and the home and how much time you spend in the home and, and all that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes a ton of sense. And, you know, as the technician who's sitting there, you know, he's, he's reemphasizing these things. 
Um, have you trained with them as to like, hey, you have no lines in this play after I arrive here other than to agree and shake your head? Or are there specific things you look for them to comment on throughout the presentation? Um, for the most part, you know, we have an agreement that, you know, they, they kind of just sit there and kind of just agree with what's going on and what they're, what I'm saying. And they, they're there for backup for the most part. Um, but when there's too many cooks in the kitchen, it can get confusing. And when it gets confusing, people can't make a decision. And so when you, if, if I, if I'm presenting an inverter and all the options and then they're like, Oh, well, I like the two stage unit, you know, and that's a good value because they can see the customer going into a, a lower expensive option. Um, you know, that's, that's too many cooks in the kitchen, you know? And so now they're confused. Like, should we do the inverter or should we do the tech was just here saying he has a two stage on his house, you know? Um, or should we do the duct work or should we not? Should we leave it? You know? Um, so it's always great to, to be on the same, you're, you're synced on the same page with the technician where, you know, when I arrive, it's kind of, it's up to me at that point, but they're there to, to reinsure the customer and to finish out the process, if that makes sense. So what, what if they have developed such a relationship with that technician, you know, they say, Hey, Hey Brian, like, what do you think we should do? You know, what, what's Brian supposed to say if uh, Brian doesn't Brian's have gonna, an inverter, you know? Yeah. Brian's going to say, you know, the inverter is the best option. And I agree with Brent. I mean, the best comfort you can get is that inverter system. Okay. Yeah. So definitely reemphasizing uh, with you. And that's why it's so critical that you and the, the technician are in simpatico in terms yeah. of, you know, your, your presentation and what's important, what, what to say, what not to say. If they've been on a call with me more than a few times, they already know, like yeah. they kind of know that the way it's going. And, um, and what's great is I've been able to see these guys like develop their own sales process around the same equipment, you know, um, and take what I said and kind of make it their own a little bit and and go go far, you know. So that's been exciting to watch. Well, this has been exciting to listen to, Brent, and uh, we've we've for real this that time got me quickly. half wishing I was in HVAC again. <laughs> hey, you got me half wishing. Like I'm so in much fun. Wishing I was in plumbing and selling you a water softener right now. <laughs> yeah, bro, what happened? We used to be such a good tag team partner. We need to get that back. I need to just come out to Phoenix for a little bit. <laughs> it's great man so much opportunity in the trades it's it's so it's amazing it's silly so it really is it just everyone's talking about being so slow and this and that and can't get to sales and stuff and i'm like i don't know man like is this people's water heaters are still going out mm -hmm. their heaters are still failing air conditioning's going out you just gotta you know you gotta or even be, better or, they're still concerned with having maintenance done Exactly. And that's Those all we the, need. And I, I tell my guys when those out fetch, you know, the maintenance customers are the best customer you're ever going to see. They're the ones that care about their systems enough to have you come out and look at it preventively. The rest of these people that are calling when there's a problem, they're just calling you when, when there's an emergency, you know, they're not as concerned about their equipment as the maintenance customer. So yeah, it's a, uh, I truly believe some of the biggest tickets we ever had were on maintenance. Yeah. Maintenance. And, and you still see them over and over and over. And you were at the same company long enough to where, and I was managing it 
the company Nate's at long enough to see that you would get a huge ticket and do everything at a client's house and then several years later go do it again. Yeah. I mean, when I was at Yes, I sold two or three air conditioning on the same house, you know, just over the amount of years I was there. So yeah. the gift yep. that keeps on giving. Right. That's right. <laughs> there it is. Well, hey, Brent, if people are interested in learning more about you, your story, uh, the things you're talking about today, where's a good place to find you? You can uh, probably the most popular place is on Facebook. Uh, Brent Buckley, look me up. Facebook, uh, Champions Groups uh, Holdings, where I work. And, um, or uh, you can, uh, I don't know if Brian can post my email on there. You're welcome yep. to email me anytime too. Yeah, you can say it. You can say your email. Uh, B-R-N-T. B17 at yahoo.com where uh, you can find me on IG cooling underscore Vegas. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, Brent, this has been good. And uh, one final question for you. Who does the HVAC maintenance at your house? No one. <laughs> um i do same guy I, who I flushes just, my water heater <laughs> i just changed the filters like you know i've been there seven months but you know i hey, just changed them you. like two weeks ago for the first time so <laughs> you know it's hvac and plumbers work so much we don't have time to work on our own stuff you know yeah yep. something about uh cobbler's children and their shoes or something like yeah okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, Brent Buckley, it's been a joy to have you on again. We appreciate you joining us and sharing really good and practical tips, not only for the sales, but really specifically the setting of the sales process. It's been good to have you on, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, nice to talk to you, Nate and uh, Brian, and we'll chat to you guys later. Thanks for hey, having me. I, I will, dare I say, of your three episodes, this was, to me so far, I mean, I'll have to listen to it, and I will definitely lis listen to this one, but this seemed to be the most impactful, usable episode you've done. And truly, I feel like one of the best, most um, usable sales techniques episodes we've ever done in this show. I'm, I'm very excited for this one to release. Great. I'm, I'm glad to help. And um, hopefully we can do a fourth episode maybe later on. Oh, and, <laughs> and, and more and more and more. But I'm even thinking about maybe moving Nate out and getting you in here as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> See you, Nate. All right. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> All right. Wait, All right that, yep. That's a wrap for our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed your time with Brent. I know I did. Uh, such good practical advice there and really needed in the HVAC industry in such a time as this. Uh, where things aren't quite as use as easily as they used to be, right? And so it's always good to hear from him as a man who has done it on both sides of the equation and more. And so hope that you enjoyed it. Make sure that you hit him up. He provided his contact information there and find him there. Let him know what you thought about the show. Let him know that you uh, want to hear him again. Let us know what you thought about the show as well. We'd love to hear it because we're always looking for your feedback. We're going to leave you now with our weekly challenge, which remains the same to choose to wake up every single morning and wake no day.